Hello, welcome to Refresh Bible Study. It's another Wednesday, and I'm so happy to get to see you guys. And so as you guys come in, go ahead and let me know where you're listening from. Uh, go ahead and like, tag, and share if you don't mind. Uh, but we're going to uh, get started tonight. What's up, Erica? Uh, how are you doing? I see Sayed. How are you? Uh, Brother Sayed, Mama San, Amber from North Carolina. What's up? How are you? What's up, Joshua? How are you doing tonight? And so I see you guys are coming in. What's up, Tanika? So as you guys come in, make sure you, uh, like I said, like, share, and, and tag some friends. And so uh, for the sake of time, we're going to uh, get started tonight. Uh, but before I do that, let me do a couple announcements real quick. So as you guys know, uh, we have prayer every morning at 6.30 as we continue our fast through January. So please check us out tomorrow morning at 6.30 a.m. Central Standard Time for prayer. Uh, if you want to know about the fasting guidelines, if you haven't been fasting with us, feel free to start. It's never too late. You can go to focchurch.com uh, backslash pound sign fasting to get more information on our fasting uh and from guidelines as well as join us for prayer. Uh, the fast consists of no sweets, no junk food, no sodas or caffeine. And so that that is our fast. Uh, and then you guys are aware, because uh, I see a lot of repeat people, but we got any first time visitors, we'll go over this just in case. Uh, strategies for success. Uh, every Monday at noon, that's Pastor Sean, uh, formerly known as Mindset Monday. You can join that on her page at Sean Strickland on Facebook. And then on Tuesday night, uh, it's prayer at 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. You don't want to miss prayer. You don't have to pray. Our prayer team does all the praying, but we can get in there. We can agree with them on the things that they're praying about. And then on Wednesday nights, we have Bible study. And then on Sunday mornings, we have Pastor Chris and Elder Valley for worship at 930 right back here. Uh, you can get on here. You can go to her Facebook page. Uh, Christian Valley Worships and uh, watch it there. You can watch it on our website via YouTube as well. And then after she finishes, it's a seamless transition right into Sunday morning service. All right. So those are our announcements uh, for today. And so uh, we will get started uh, tonight. I'm just excited to be here. Um, I was I was tonight's word is going to be a word about my own life that I'm just going to share with you. Uh, because the other day, well, we've been thinking, our kids have been uh, virtual with me since March the 13th uh, of 2020. And so around Thanksgiving, I really, uh, really felt like they needed to go back to school. And, I, and honestly, uh, her God said it would be okay, but I kept looking at the numbers, I kept looking at the reports and I'm like, no, no, I'm gonna keep them home. Uh, and, and I talked to April about it. I was like, what you think? And we we both was like, yeah. Uh, but every time we would go to do something, we would change our mind based off what we were seeing uh, or whatever. And so finally, we got to the point uh, this past week we was like, OK, they're going to go back. And so I called the school on Wednesday of last week and said, hey, guys, uh, we're going to send Aiden back. And, you know, me being me. Uh, I send both teachers a long email describing, hey, this is what we've been doing at home. These are the things, blah, blah, blah. And man, no sooner than I called that same day, uh, 
we get a call from the school. Hey, this is such and such school. We're just letting you know that we've had a positive COVID case. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And I'm not, no kidding, guys. Every day uh, we had a call and I'm just like, oh man, are we making the right decision? And then on Sunday, as we were getting everything together uh, for the kids and their clothes ironed and all that stuff together, we get a call on Sunday that says, hey, we've had yet another positive case, blah, blah, blah. And immediately I'm like, man, and the Lord says this, whose report will you believe? And I'm like, okay, Lord. He said, whose report will you believe, Ralph? He says, I told you your kids could go. I told you that I will keep them safe. In the words, he said, I'll put a bubble around them. He says, whose report will you believe? Are you going to look at everything that's going on in the news? Are you going to look at everything that the school is saying? Are you going to allow all of these cases that are occurring right now to persuade you to not believe the report of the Lord. He says, whose report will you believe? And when he said that, all I could do is say, I'll believe your, your report, Lord. And I got this peace over me. But I've just been studying that ever since because after, as we go throughout this year this year, the year of release, uh, the year of armloads of blessings, right? The year of, uh, of great harvest, the season of harvest, there are going to be some times where the enemy is going to try to persuade you that this is not the year release, that this is not your time for harvest, that this is not your time for healing. He's going to try to do that because he can't stop it, but he can persuade. And the question I want to ask you tonight is this, whose report will you believe? Whose report will you believe? And so you want to know what you really believe. All you got to do is check the direction you're moving. So if you really want to know what you believe, you got to check the direction you're moving. Your actions are indication of what you believe. If God told you you can have a house, but you're not applying for the house, you really don't believe the house belongs to you. If God told you you can have a new job, but if you're not applying for jobs, you don't really believe a job belongs to you. If God told you that you could be healed, but you're not talking about healing, you're not eating the way he wants you to eat, you're not doing the things he wants you to do, you're not moving in that direction is an indication that you don't believe. You don't believe the report of the Lord. Lord, you don't believe you, and we'll talk about it, that the fact that you are neglecting your salvation. It says once you decide on something, you begin to move in that direction. And, and the only the example that came to my mind was when I saw my wife. Uh, and I know a lot of y'all have heard this story, but when I came back from spring break in eighth grade, March of 1997, on that warm spring day, I saw the the shiniest prettiest chocolate leg standing in that line as our coach was making us line up from uh, lunch. Uh, and I said, wow. Then I looked up and I saw the beautiful chocolate face and that long dark hair. And immediately I knew what I wanted. And when I knew what I wanted, I began to what? Move in that direction. And for a lot of us, you you know what you know what the Lord has said, but you don't move into that direction. It doesn't matter what you hear, it's what you hear and you do that causes you to receive. It says that is why it is vital to tame your team. 
So we got to tame the people we're around. We got to tame our temperament, tame our tongue, and tame our environment because they're all impacting our decision making. Every single thing that we look at, every single thing that we hear, the people we allow to speak into our life, all of those things are tame, are, are impacting our decision making. They're all influencing us on the report that we'll believe. It says we have to understand that every decision is a lifetime decision. Hear this. Every decision is a lifetime decision. We have to ask ourselves, can I live with this for the rest of my life? And so, so many times and we make decisions in the spare of the moment. So many times we make decisions off how we feel. We say things to our loved ones based off our emotion. We say things to people in line or we flip people off when we're driving. We do all those things, not based on the word of God, but we do them based off how we feel because we feel like we can make decisions and they don't matter. But as a God in this earth, as a creator and the power of having power in your words, there is not a decision that you make that is just made in a vacuum. Every decision you make matters. And when you begin to think about life that way, then you're more conscious of the decisions you make because you don't want to make one that will cause something to happen that you don't desire in your life. And so with that, you got to understand that there is no request of God that's minimal. There's no request of God that's minimal. Every request of God matters. Go ahead and type, type that. Every request of God, every word of God matters. Every request matters. So it doesn't matter if he asks you to wear a green shirt. It doesn't matter if he asks you to go left. All of it matters when it comes to obeying the instructions of God because they're designed to get us to experience our his best life. They're designed to get us to the place where John in 10 and 10 talks about the outcome that you may have life and life more abundantly. That abundant life is reserved for those who take God serious. Those that abundant life is reserved for those who understand that my words matter, who understand that I got to believe the report of the Lord, who understand that I can't allow COVID numbers to dictate my decision making. That if God says that this is the year I do X, that it doesn't matter what the economy does. It doesn't matter what my mama did. It doesn't matter my credit score and it doesn't matter the health I'm in. If God says that this is so, I got to make a decision to move in the direction of God because his report will always come through. His word never fails. Encapsulated within the word of God is all the power needed for it to come to pass. So many times we do not make the right decisions, not because we simply want to disobey God, but because our belief system gets in the way. Your belief system greatly influences and it affects your decisions. You said what you said, you did what you did because you believe it's the right thing to say or the right thing to do. A lot of times you're just not blatantly trying to disobey God, but all you have known is living paycheck to paycheck. So what you do with your money is this. You don't believe that you can save $10 and God, I mean, you can give tithe of 10% because you've never seen that happen. And so your life experiences have said, you can't give 10% of what you make and still make it. Your life experiences said, you only got enough. 
Your life experiences said you got more month than you have money. So your life experiences is beginning to persuade you that what God has told you can't be true. Your life experiences is telling you that 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 what God has said can't it may work for other people, but it won't work for you. And so our belief system is always interfering with what God desires for us to do. All right. So our belief system is also constantly in the process of being updated. It's a continuous journey. And and Pastor Elder Valley, my brother uh, Valley, taught a message uh, entitled, I, I might mess up the title. He can type it in the comments if he's watching. We have been saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. The thing that you got to know about your beliefs about, about this is, is this. We are all saved. And that means that we have all have the forgiveness of sin, right? Second Timothy 1 and 19 says he has saved us and called us with that with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. So God has saved us. We are saved. We are being saved and we will be saved. And see, when I'm talking about your belief system, I'm not talking about the part part of it that's already saved. That already saved has to do with the forgiveness of our sins. We are already saved. All right. But let's let's go to the we are being saved. We are being saved is about growth and it's about perseverance. First Corinthians 1 and 18 says this for the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. In other words, when I begin to focus on the, I've been saved, I've been forgiven of sin, but my belief system, my soul, my mind, my will, my imagination, and my intellect, all those things are being saved, right? And when I begin to focus on what God did on the cross, then I begin to remember or to bring in a, a remembrance what he did to bring to bring me into full salvation, or I'm being saved. I'm causing my soul to be in alignment with the finished works of Jesus. And Philippians 2, 12, it says this, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is working in you. In other words, and it also says that it is he that's working in you to give you the power to do his will. So I am saved. I have been forgiven, but I'm being saved. My, my mind, my belief system, my intellect, all those things are constantly being renewed as I spend more time in the word of God. So that's how I work out my own salvation with fear and trembling, because I choose to obey the word of God. That's how I work, I, I work out my salvation, because I choose to go after God. I choose to focus on the cross. And then uh, in the Passion Translation, it says this, now you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in holy awe of God. So you can't even manifest the fullness of salvation unless you do what? You spend time living in holy awe of God. All mean A-W-E. How do I spend time in awe of God? I spend time obeying him. I spend time uh, meditating his word. I spend time trembling in his presence. I spend time continually revitalizing my mind by studying to show myself approved. So yes, I am saved. I am going to heaven, but I will not experience the benefits of salvation on this earth if I don't fully manifest 
I mean, fully commit myself to God. And, and you'll understand why that's important in a minute. But let's go to Hebrews 2, 1 through 3, because this is the one that uh, really stuck with me. He says, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? How shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? And it's like, God, how did I neglect my salvation? Every time I chose not to, to look at the cross, every time I chose not to see what Christ did on the cross, and we'll get to Isaiah in a minute, but every time you can neglect your salvation, you could be on your way to heaven, living like hell on earth and not fully manifesting salvation because you choose not to believe the report of the Lord because you choose to let life experiences persuade you into believing that what God has for you really ain't the best, that what God has for you really ain't for you, is that what God has for you, he really didn't die for you. I mean, yeah, you can go to heaven, but yeah, that abundance ain't really for you. I mean, come on. I mean, does God want everybody rich? I mean, is God a liar? Because that's what life experiences will get you. That's what religion will get you. That's what tradition will get you. Because you'll think that you got to live this life like everybody else lived it in your family when God is calling you to more. But so we're going to, you'll hear me reference that several times tonight. Don't neglect your salvation. All right. So we're being saved. And lastly, we won't spend a lot of time on this. We will be saved. Romans 5, 9 and 10, you guys know what Romans 5 says. Now that we have been saved from the punishment of sin by the blood of Christ. So the blood of Christ saved us. It says he will save us from God's anger also. It, verse 10 says we hated God, but we were saved from the punishment of sin by the death of the cross. He has brought us back to God and we will be saved by his life. And that salvation is talking about when God, the rapture, when God comes, we'll spend eternity with him, all right? So, but the word we want to hang our hat tonight is the middle part, is that we are being saved. So just because you're saved from sin and its consequences doesn't mean you will not be exempt from the impact of sin. Exemption is the result of choosing to follow God. How do you ensure that you will not be impacted by sin is when you choose to follow God. So that's what it's talking about when you're neglecting your salvation. Salvation brings you freedom. Salvation brings you liberty. Salvation is the prevention of destruction in your life. And so I can't be experience those things if I don't embrace the what God Christ did on the cross. So I neglect my salvation when I disobey God. I neglect salvation when I operate in pride. I neglect my salvation when, I, when I'm influenced or persuaded by life experiences or what grandma did or how grandpa did it or how the Baptist or how, the, how Kojic or how who Pentecost or however they did it. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, it's not something that you follow. It's just something that, that's not something that you follow. So what I want to do tonight is talk to you about some things that God talked to me about, about when he when he said, will you re, will you re, uh, believe the report, Ralph? Will you believe the report that you will be you can be healed or will you believe the report of the doctor? Will you believe the fact that your body is saying that you're sick or will you believe the report that by your by stripes you're healed? Will you believe the report that the economy uh, that your that uh, the economy is not as great as it will be? Will you believe the report uh, that everybody 
uh, so many people are going to be impacted by COVID and most likely you will as well. What report will you believe? Will you believe the report that there's no good men or will you believe the report that there's no good jobs? Will you believe the report that there, every kid has to go through the terrible twos and your teens have to be rebels when they're, when they're I mean, your kids got to be rebels when they're teenagers. What report will you believe? Because there's so many things in our society that have become common. But I think Pastor Edwin or Pastor Sean talked about uh, on Sunday, there's nothing coming about God because God is supernatural. And so what we got to understand is that we as, as believers can't be persuaded by common things. Just because, I mean, I remember Pastor, uh, one one thing, One this is a testimony, and that's why you got to have people in your life to challenge you, right? Your team matters. I remember when April and I was buying our first house and they had the common thing is you don't got kids, you're fresh out of college, you get new jobs, you buy what they call a starter home. And the starter home is maybe 1,400, 1,600 square feet. And I clearly heard God about uh, buying a house that was at least 2,000 square feet. And so I remember going to a house and I've told this story before and the house was uh, like 1,800 square feet. And we pulled up to the house after church. Pastor Evan and Pastor Sean was coming to look at it. And Pastor Sean got the little, that's before the internet was as popular, got the little paper out of the uh, thing in front, the front yard. And she looked at it and it was like 1,800 square feet. And she was like, why are we here? Because it wasn't the report that the Lord has given me. And so you need to have people on your team that if you say this is what the Lord has said, they won't let you settle. They won't let you settle with anything less than what God has said for you. And because when you tame your team, it pushes you to be the best person that you can possibly be. So when, but a lot of times you don't want nobody in your business because really what you are, you're afraid to live out the person that God has called you to be. You, you don't want to become, you neglect your salvation because you are not allowing the people that God has called in your life to speak into your life. That's your problem with pastors. That's your problem with prophets. It's not that you, you don't, that they are not effective. It's the fact that you don't want nobody to, you don't want no accountability. You don't want anybody to help you become better. You, for some reason, you think that you can do it on your own. And because of that isolation, the enemy has persuaded you that you can do that, but you can't do it. You need a pastor in your life. Why? Because they help you see the blind spots in your life. You need people to talk to you. You need somebody that can just tell you that you ain't doing it right and you honor what they say and then you change your life. But because you're not teachable, because you're not coachable, because you don't want accountability, that's why you're mediocre. That's why you're average. And that's why you won't ever produce abundance because you won't let anybody else hold you accountable to living the life that God wants you to live. The Holy Spirit's job is to bring accountability to us. The Holy Spirit's job is to teach us to do the things of God. But if you won't even trust the Holy Ghost to teach you where you need to go, if you won't trust the report from God who has never failed, how, how will you trust anybody else? Your way is finite. Your way is limited. And even if your way it's perfect. It will never produce what God has for you. So stop being a rebel and allow God to put the people in your life that you need so that you can become who God said you need to be so that the kingdom can benefit from everything that God has called you to accomplish. All right. So. So let's talk about it. whose report will you believe? Let's look at Moses. 
Because Moses said it like this in uh, Deuteronomy 30. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessing and cursing. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your decisions may live, might live. We have to choose life. Every time we choose obedience, we're choosing life. And if you're not choosing obedience, you're by default, you're choosing death. And so when we're believing the report, we have to be, we have to understand that God's way is best. You have to understand the character of God. The Bible says that those who come to him must un, must believe that he is and that he is what? A rewarder of those that diligently seek him. So I got to know that God has my best interest in mind. So when I seek out God, I am seeking out a person who desires to reward me, not a person that desires to punish me, not a person that desires to limit me, not a person decides, desires to put me in a box, but he is a person that desires to reward me. I got to believe that he is. What is he is? He has the ability to become anything that I need and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. So as I choose to seek out God, I am choosing to be rewarded. As I choose to seek out God, I am choosing to believe his report. As I choose to seek out God, I am choosing to live the abundant life that he has promised me. So each day I live, we have to understand that we have to make a choice. Those choices will either align with God or it will not align. There is no middle ground. There is no part, no such thing as partial obedience. Either you obey God or you didn't. There is no in-between. So regardless of your environment, regardless of your belief system, and regardless of the economy of your experiences, you must always choose to believe the report of the Lord. And so when I so on that Sunday night, as I was thinking about sending that email to say, hey, I'm gonna keep my kids at home. I just kept replaying, has the Lord ever failed me? Has the Lord ever failed me? And so kind of like Daniel, when he was going up against Goliath, I just remembered that time I was on the highway and the Lord kept me. I remember that time I was in that chapel and I asked God to save my mother when they was going to pull the plug and he came through. I remember that time that my the Lord told me about my grandma and she being ill and that she was going to die. And he told me to intercede with me. For her and she lived another decade. I remember that time when I didn't have enough money to go to closing. And, and when I got to closing, uh, that we got money back and we moved in our house debt free. I mean, uh, without having to go in. I remember that time where I needed a washer and a dryer and, and I didn't have the Well, I actually had the money and the Lord said, watch me come through, Ralph. And so me and April just saved our money and we kept it. And then somebody called us two weeks later and said, I got a brand new washer and dryer. We just moved. We won't need it. You can go pick it up. And so I began to remember those times. And when I began to remember those times, it persuaded me to know that I can believe the report of the Lord. The same God that delivered me then will deliver me now. The same God that did it then will keep a bubble around my kids. That same God will bring me peace in the middle of that situation. And so what you got to do in the middle of those times where your experiences uh, may try to tell you, the, the statistics may try to tell you, the facts may try to tell you that it doesn't make sense. You got to begin to count up all those times that God will come through for you and know that he is not a taker. You got to know that he is a healer, a redeemer, a provider. You got to know who he is. And so that same God that did it once, he'll do it again. And so I called on that same God and I thank God that, is all, that it all will be well. 
And so when you go, when we talk about believing the, the report of the Lord, you got to begin to talk to yourself. You got to begin to tame your tongue and you, and you got to begin to have the word in your heart so that you'll begin to say what God has already said. And so you'll see, and I'm going to give you a few examples. Uh, I'm looking at, okay, Tom. So let's go to First Kings. And First Kings, you, it's the story of Elijah. And Elijah uh, was challenging King Ahab, and it, had, it hadn't rained for a long time. Uh, Ahab was a really wicked king. The Bible talks about he was one of the wickedest king, most wicked kings ever. And it hadn't rained. And so Elijah told Ahab, hey, go get the 450 prophets of Baal. Go get the 400 prophets of Sharisha. I think I said Asherah. Go get them all. And then he says, how long will you waver between two opinions? And that's the question I want to ask you tonight. How long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. If the Lord is God, follow him. That's what the word says. But if Baal is God, follow him. But the people said nothing. So Elijah says, how long y'all going to do this? And you guys got to go read that story. It's such a good story because the, that, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 of Asherah, they did all this stuff. They began cutting themselves and screaming and, and, and nothing happened, right? Nothing happened. They got the sacrifice there. Nothing happened. And so Elijah's over here mocking them. Hey, what's your God doing? Is he, is he on a potty break right now? He on vacation? He chilling? Is he asleep? What's your God doing, right? And so Elijah began to say, okay, that's enough. And so Elijah built his altar. And then not only that, the Bible talks about how he dug a trench around the altar. And then in the midst of a famine, the Bible talks, he asked, he asked for four barrels of water. And he just kept pouring the water on. The Bible says that as he began to call on the Lord, the Lord sent down fire to consume the sacrifice. And then it licked up the water. And so what happened was, Elijah chose to believe the report of the Lord. He tried to give other people the opportunity to believe. They heard what he said, but hearing alone doesn't prosper you. It's what you do after you heard the word that will bring you prosperity or bring you uh, neglect. And so what we got to understand is this. When Elijah heard that and he did what God said, God honored that sacrifice that he made, right? And all those other prophets, they went and died. Why? Because they didn't choose them that day. They were still uh, wavering in their opinions. And so as they wavered in their opinions, it ended up in death for them. How many situations have we experienced, not necessarily, not a physical death, but, but a, a financial death, an emotional death? or a relationship death, death of our, our mental capacities, all because we were wavered between two opinions. It doesn't matter. If you hear what God says do, you got to do that. The Bible says, if Lord is God, follow him, right? We got to follow what he said, uh, what he tells us to do. And in Isaiah 53, it says it's very simple. Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? Who has believed our report? It says, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? Who has believed our report? So you got Elijah going in. He tells them, look, guys, this the Lord is God. Follow him. They don't listen. They hear, but they don't listen. We talked last week. We would probably call that 
uh, the stony ground, right? That seed was planted, that seed was thrown, but it didn't take root, so it didn't grow fruit, right? And they end up dying. But in Isaiah, Isaiah 53, it says, Who's, who has believed our report? And to whom has the arm of the Lord, arm of the Lord been revealed? He is despised and rejected by men. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded. This is the part that most of us know. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He has oppressed and he has afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent. So he opened not his mouth. We'll all read that scripture. But tonight, I want to talk to you about that scripture is how this is how we neglect our salvation. In the beginning of this, Isaiah says, Who has believed our report? Right. He asked a question. And because he asked that question, we, we, we got to understand that he is saying, who's going to believe that the despise that Jesus being despised, that Jesus being rejected, that Jesus being oppressed and Jesus being afflicted secures my salvation, my freedom, my sin from, from sin and bondage, because that's a choice you got to make. We neglect our salvation when we take on bondage. It's not part of not part of the deal. We were never created to uh, take on bondage. We were never created to be oppressed. We were never created to be rejected. We were not created to be despised. We were not created to be afflicted. And Isaiah says, who's going to believe that report? Because every time you choose to be afflicted, every time you choose to be rejected, every time you choose not to operate in faith, you're neglecting your salvation and you're not choosing to believe the report that Jesus Christ died. The Bible says he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are what? We are healed. So when I don't believe that, when I believe that diabetes, when I believe that high blood pressure, when I believe that cancer or, or lupus or, or whatever belongs to me, I am neglecting salvation. I am not believing the report of the Lord. It doesn't matter if I'm black, if I'm male, and, and, and high blood pressure has been in my family for generations. None of that matters. Why? Because the report of the Lord says that by his stripes, I am healed. Don't let life experiences cause you not to believe God. Don't let what has happened to big mama and big and papa and, and your mama and your daddy cause you not to believe. It doesn't matter if they never graduated college. It doesn't matter if they never had a good marriage. It doesn't matter if all their kids rebelled. It doesn't matter if they all died young. When you choose to believe the report of the Lord, when you choose to believe that he was wounded for your transgressions, when you look choose to believe that he was bruised for your iniquities and that the chastisement of your peace was upon him, that means that I have the right to peace regardless of what's happening in my life because that's what the report of the Lord says. So I can't neglect my salvation by choosing not to believe that report. So I have to believe God. But here's the thing, believing is a choice. And that's why it said in Deuteronomy, whose report? Will you believe? 
will you be waver between two opinions? And so sometimes when God gives us a report or he gives us something, it doesn't always look the way we want it to look, right? Uh, I would have loved to send my kids back to school and, and COVID would have been gone. I would have loved to have uh, built a house and have all the money I need up front to build that house. I would have loved to be able to, to, to claim debt freedom and have a zero balance in my account, I mean, on all my debt, debted accounts right now. That's just not how it works. When I believe the report of the Lord, I believe his word to be truth, regardless of what the facts in the earth that tells me. And, and Naaman is a good example of that. It says, there once lived a man by the name of Laman. He was a captain of the host of the king of Syria. He was a mighty man in valor, but he was also a leper. And so Naaman came with all, and you got to understand that Naaman, Naaman was proud of himself, right? Naaman will be what we probably would have called somebody who, um, uh, an elitist, somebody who, who dresses nice and all this stuff. I mean, he's all about the, all about all the, 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 the dress, the formalities and all this, right? So in 2 Kings 5, Naaman has leprosy. And in verse 9, it says, And Naaman came with his horses and with his chariot. He stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger unto him, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and thy flesh shall come again to thee, and thou shalt be clean. But Naaman was angry, and he went away and said, Behold, I thought he would surely come out to me, right, and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and strike his hand over the place and recover the leper. So Naaman went away in rage, and his servants came near him. Look, Naaman had a team. And spake unto him and said, Naaman, if the prophet had bid you to do something great, would you do it? How much rather than when he says, go wash and be clean, then you do that. It says, Naaman then went down, dipped himself seven times in the Jordan. According to the, the man of God, his flesh came again like unto the flesh of a child and he was clean. Like Naaman, so many of us get offended because God doesn't respond the way we desire. God doesn't respond the way that we desire. I think we were in our men's group when we was talking about uh, so many times we think that the manifestation of healing uh, or God rest, uh, healing somebody is always here on earth. And so some, sometimes things don't occur the way we want them to occur. And when they don't, we feel like God slighted us. We get angry with God. We get offended with God. And, and so the thing is, how does God, how God does it cannot be more important than God doing it. So you can't get mad like Naaman did. And you, you so caught up in how God does it. I want God to heal me at church, at the altar in front of everybody. I want to get out this wheelchair and walk in the name of Jesus. And God telling you at home that and if you want to be healed, just get up and walk right now. But because it's not in a fashion that you desire, you don't want it. You don't want it to occur. But we can't get so caught up in the way it occurs and be so more important, so focused on the way it occurs that we're more focused on that than it occurring altogether. I don't care how that deliverance occurred, Jesus. I don't care if you wipe every uh, 
thing clean. I don't care if, if I invest in, in stocks and investments and I have an overabundance of money come in and I pay everything off. I, you can't get so focused on how things happen that you lose focus on what you want to happen. So you got to give God the room to be God. Go ahead and type that. I give God room to be God. I don't limit God by thinking that the only way I can get this car, the only way I can get this house, the only way I can get this job is that this must happen this way, this way, and this way. No, God can cause it to happen any way that he desires. You got to give God room to be God. Like naming the answer to what you're waiting on may not come in the package you imagine. Man, that, that ought to preach on its own. The, 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 what you're waiting on may not come in the package you imagine. Don't throw away solutions because they come packaged as work. Don't throw away solutions because they come packaged as you reducing your spending or you reducing the time you spend on watching TV or in social media. You, re you have to increase your pair of time. You have to fast more. You have to study more. So many times we throw away our solutions because they come packaged as work. Work is not a dirty four-letter word. Work is something that you have to do even as a believer. And so as a believer, how do I work? I believe God. That's my job. How do I believe God? I believe God by studying his word and knowing his promises. I, 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 I study his word to know his character so that when he speaks to me, it's in alignment with what I already know about his heart. And so I can't throw away these solutions because I think that they come in a way package in a form that I don't want. And for some of y'all, y'all threw away your spouses because you had this idea that your man had to be six foot three, dark skinned with a six pack, while you five two. And, and I'm going to say it, and I'm just going to say it, you could be angry with me, overweight, obese, like like super overweight, right? You're wanting somebody that works out every day, that has a six pack, and, and this is for a man or a woman. You wanting that out of somebody but you ain't even willing to put that in yourself. And so you're designing something. So you got this, this, this man and you got this woman prepackaged in your head on what you want it to look like, right? And God sends you something that's good for you. Then you overlook it because you got a prepackaged way that your husband or whoever got supposed to look like. Baby, let me help you. God is trying to send you solutions and you got to let give God room to be God. He got to you can't be packaging prepackaging God into this box causing you to miss out on things that he wants you to miss want you to have. So I refuse to throw away solutions because I'm unwilling so some of y'all refuse to throw away solutions. I mean you throw away solutions because you're unwilling to move or you're unwilling to stay. You feel like I can if I just get to Atlanta, if I just get to Orlando, if I can just make it to uh, uh, George, I mean, uh, Savannah, if I can just get to somewhere, then it'll get better. Baby, everywhere you go, you are, and everywhere you go, God is. And so if God told you to stay, your abundance is just staying. It, you don't got to believe the, 
the facts that 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 abundance only comes to people who go to other places in big cities. You don't got to go to a big city to be noticed. God will cause you to be noticed right here and wherever you are. You don't got to go to. But here's the other thing: if God told you to move and you comfortable, then you got to be willing to move, right? You like He told Elijah, who we're gonna talk about next. He told Elijah to get up and go. Uh, so and he says, I will uh, have you sustained at the brook. You got to be willing to move when God says move. But the question is, whose report will you believe? How many people are out there going to churches simply because that's the church everybody in their family went to? I, why do you go there? Because my great, great, great grandma went there. Well, is it blessing your life? No, I just go there because family go there. Find somewhere else to go. We do so many things based off tradition that have nothing to do with God. So I will not throw away solutions because they come packages work. I won't throw away solutions because they come packages work. I'm in a group now and we do investment, investing. And, and, and we and it doesn't even feel like work anymore because we talk and we're friends and we're just talking. And today we all made a pretty nice come up. I mean, my money did some work for me today and made, made, made a couple thousand dollars today. Uh, because we've been spending time every since probably for the last eight months learning, doing things. So you think increase is just going to show up because God told you that this is a year of great release and you're going to have on those blessings. And so as we teach this, the teacher in me wants you to understand that that doesn't happen for you if you don't do anything different. If you do the same thing in 2021 that you did in 2020, you're going to get the same thing that you got in 2020. So if you weren't happy with what you got in 2020, you got to do something different this year. So when we're talking about this is a year uh, of supernatural release for church, for the church and the individuals, that this is a year of grace and glory, that this is a year that we clearly hear the voice of God. That occurs for those who push in. You just can't live your life watching TV all day, eating what you want to eat, listening to what you want to listen to, and doing whatever you feel your flesh feels like doing, and you think that you're going to get the best of what God has to have offer. That is a lie. That is that that's just that's just utterly that's stupidity. Right. You don't get the best that God has to offer by living a life that's not in accordance with the king. So. Whose report will you believe? Elijah was asked in first Kings 17, four and five, he says, get thee hence and turn thee eastward and hide thyself by the brook that is before Jordan. And it should be that thou shalt drink of the brook and I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. So check this out. Ain't this unusual? Because some of the things that God asks you to do is unusual. Uh, they're not coming. But this is what you got to know. God knows what he is doing. So Elijah is a man of God, right? He he understands uh, hearing God's voice. And so God saying, hey, I want you to get up. I want you to go live by a, a, a river, a brook, and I'm going to have I'm going to feed you with ravens. What an unusual request at that moment. Elijah had to make a decision what he was going to do. Am I going to believe God or am I going to find a way to feed myself? See, some of you, God has told you to apply for a job and you like, I can't apply for that job because I don't qualify. The fact that God told you to apply is all the qualification that you need. 
but you won't do it because and because you don't do it is if elijah wouldn't have went to that brook we're probably about read about elijah dying soon a famine right because whatever god tells you to go even in the natural if it looks like someone that can't sustain you if god told you to go there all provision will be there when you get there and elijah could have said and this is what our super saints do well i'm just gonna fast i'm just i don't know about that i don't know about going to that brook lord I don't know about being fed by ravens. I don't know nobody being fed by no birds. I'm just going to fast. Well, fasting, when you disagree with it, you cannot fast your way into a different response from God. Fasting will not get you a different response from God. Fasting does not get you a different response from God. If God told you to stay on your job, making whatever you make, and he says, I will deliver you from all debt, then guess what? You can stay on that job making whatever you're making. God's going to deliver you from all debt. He is going to give you other avenues in which for it to happen. You can't let what seems unusual in the natural to cause you to persuade you not to believe the report of the Lord. So the same way Elijah went to the brook, the same way that he went there and he had water to drink and he had food to eat because the ravens brought it to him. I got to choose to believe God. So what can you take away when you believe the report of God, even when it's unusual? Elijah, you can take away this. You will never miss a meal when you obey God. I never miss a meal when I obey God. When you choose to believe his report, all provision is available. So even there, because, and here's the thing with Elijah, when the brook dried up, he told him to go somewhere else. Why? Because I've called a widow woman to sustain you. So you may think, Oh man, I'm gonna go here. And you get here and you, and so many times we set up permanent tents and places that God has called to be temporary. And so if Elijah would have said, Oh, I'm going to this brook and this brook is gonna be the last place, Elijah would have died there because the brook dried up. Some of y'all, y'all brooks have dried up. I know God has called you there. You heard God when you went there. But that place ain't no longer sustaining you. But you're still trying to to get what they say blood from a turner. You're still trying to cause something to come out of a situation when God has called you somewhere else because He's called somebody else to sustain you. You got to be able to always hear God. But if you don't believe the report of God, then you'll stay in a place that's dried up when God has called you to go to a place that's been there, that's already has a provision to sustain you. Not only are you disobeying God, but also you're hindering the kingdom when you don't move when God says move. All right. And so that's, that's Elijah, his report. And I was like, okay, God, I thank you for that. So I thank you, God, that even with unusual requests, God, I understand that if I follow you, and if I, if I follow your report, then I'll never miss a meal. If I follow your report, I'll always find provision. So God, I thank you that I obey you in unusual requests. That I got, I got, I got, and if you did it for Elijah, you'll do it for me. So if God, you asked me to move to Alaska, even if I don't like to go, it's unusual and it doesn't make sense but I'm willing to go there, God, because I understand that that's where my provision is. When you understand that obeying God is where your provision is, then you're much more willing to obey God. And I can't allow unusual requests from God to cause me to not believe his report. 
And Joshua, because of Joshua, Joshua had an unusual request as well. He told Joshua, hey, Joshua, this is what I want you to do. I want you to walk around the, uh, the walls, Jericho. I want you to walk, walk around those walls one time each day for six days. And then on the seventh day, Joshua, I want you to walk around it seven times. Now, Joshua had to uh, decide if he was going to believe God because this didn't make sense. This was this wasn't coming. This is this isn't how you fight a war. So so some of y'all was like, do I obey God, or do I do what my job says? Because if, if I obey God, it may mean that I lose my job. But where's your who's your provider anyway? If I obey God, that means that they may not like me. But who's your provider anyway? If I obey God, it may mean that some of my family members may not talk to me. But who is your God anyway? Because in those moments, you find out who you believe. Do you believe the opinions of men? Do you believe that your God, your source is your job? Your job is a resource. It's not the source. Because I remember one time I got really caught up and I was like, man, I can't be posting this, blah, 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 because this may be impacting work. But I was like, this is what God told me to do. And I just made a decision. I'm going to do it. And I'm like, now, I'm not telling you to do that if God ain't told you to do that. That was something that he told me to do. But you got to be so convinced that if I do what God says and I lose whatever, it's worth losing to gain God. Whatever God is calling you away from is worth losing to gain God. So Joshua had to decide to believe the Lord or common sense. What if it doesn't work? What will I lose? And that's the question that causes us to indicate that we're not believing God. If it doesn't work, what will I lose? And how many times have I disobeyed God because I asked myself that question? God, if I tell people I'm believing God for this, a house and I don't get it, how would I look? God, if I tell people that I'm believing you for healing and it don't come through, how would I look? God, if I tell people that I'm, this is the year that the Lord said I'll find a spouse and I don't get one, how would it look? God, if I if, if, if I come out and I say that this is the year, I'm going to be debt free and uh, I still owe on stuff, how would I look? How would I look? How would I look if it doesn't happen? That is not faith. That is an indication that you don't trust God. Now, it's a natural response. Don't get me wrong. What if God doesn't come through? Why? Because that's the enemy trying to persuade you not to believe the report of the Lord. That's the enemy trying to get you to neglect your salvation. So, so what you have to do is say this, God, this is what your word says. And this is what I did. I mean, I've been doing this for the last several days. Whose report will I believe? Because that's what I needed in order to get be able to make the decision to send my babies back to back to school, knowing that God told me it would be safe for them. It doesn't matter what's going on around them. I know what's happening for them because the Lord said he's going to take care of them. So it doesn't matter that if they think you're crazy if it doesn't work. How many how many times have we disobeyed God because we thought other? I love and I've had Pastor Evan lay hands on me, and that's one of the things I received. I was really concerned about what other people think about me. People I don't even know, people that don't even have a say in my life, people that I've never met. I was still concerned about what they thought, and I was just like, and his his thing was always been, why give value to people that you don't even know? And so you can't negate the report of the Lord because a family. And I keep saying family because some of you, it, it, it it's a big thing to have more money than you need and then have, and tell family no. 
and then family think that you're doing something. All right, I'm gonna talk about myself because I, I mean, uh, it, it it it's hard. But the question is, if God said don't give it, it ain't your money anyway. You don't give it. And so, so a lot of us can't even pass that test for increase because God is not going to keep increasing you if you're giving away bread that belongs to the kingdom, but you're, you're giving it to people that he told you not to give it to. All right. And so you got to understand that you can allow other people to keep you in a box and persuade you not to believe the report of the Lord. You got to pass that money test, man. And not only the money tests are given, the money tests are given when he don't say give, and the money tests are given when he do say give. Like today, I was excited because today uh, I got on there and because I, the Lord said, you can pay for a scholarship. And I'm like, Lord, I don't got 10 grand uh, that, 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 let me rephrase, Lord, a scholarship of 10 grand. He was like, start with where you are. And so I said, okay. So last year I started paying for a scholarship. And he said, what I want you to do every quarter, uh, I want you, I mean, every semester you get 1250. I want you to sponsor a kid all the way through. I said, okay, God. And so today I got on our app and guess what? I got to spend my, send my first 1250 in for 2021. And I'm going to send my second 1250 in before this uh, semester is even over. Why? Because as you begin to trust God and trust his report, because God gives you a report that you can uh, fulfill a whole scholarship, you start with where you are, right? And so soon, Instead of sending 1250 a semester, I'll be sending 2000 a semester, 2500 a semester, right? And, and then I'll be paying for full scholarships. But because you're not willing to start where you are, you limit God and his ability to take you further, which reminds me of Ezekiel 47. When, when they're talking about he measured out another 1750 feet. In other words, God, what he did said, I can trust God to go further. And so, God, I can trust you in the band room as a college student. I can trust you that if I just if I if I just come and I give you my tithe and I be 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 uh, consistent with it, I trust that you'll take care of me. So I was ankle deep, and then it got to the point where it's like, okay, God, God, I'm gonna give more. So at one point, I was I mean, I was giving ten percent tithe and I was giving ten percent offering, and I was like, okay, God. I want to go a little deeper in, in the water. I'm going to measure out. I can trust God. So I measured out a little further and I'm, I'm knee deep, right? And I'm going and I'm seeing, oh God, God manifesting his life because that story over there is talking about how that man was measuring out. He was looking at his ability to trust God until the point where he was swimming in that thing, right? And what happened was, if you know anything about swimming, you're swimming the water. In the Bible, we always know that the water represents the anointing, but he was swimming because the what gave him the ability was to swim was the pressure of the water pushing him up and his ability to believe God. And so as he's swimming, he's going, he's been able to move and to maneuver because the water is sustaining him. It's giving him the ability to float. And his motion within that water is causing him to be able to tread. And God is supporting him. When we get out there into the deep, God will support you. But as long as you're ankle deep, as long as you're knee deep, as long as you're chest deep, you're supported by your own gravity, right? You may see some abundance. You may see some growth. But at the end of the day, you're standing on your own two feet. It's not until we're able to swim that the water begins to support us. God is 
fully enveloped around us. And he's the thing that supports us. He's the thing that causes us to be able to maneuver. And that's the way, way we got to live life. And so now I give whenever God says give. Why? Because I can trust him that he'll always take care of me. I believe the report that 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 concerning money, right? So we can't let common sense persuade us and to not believe in his report. God is not coming. Common sense says is there no cure to cancer, but we know God heals cancer. Common sense says that when you're dead, you're dead, but we know people have been raised from the dead. Common sense says that there's no heal, there's no uh, cure to diseases, but we know that people have been cured from all diseases because of the blood of Jesus. By his stripes, we are what? Healed. So the report of God says different, so I believe different. Common sense does not persuade me not to believe God. So on days one through six, let's get back to Joshua, he was obeying God, but, but I bet he felt like nothing was happening. And so, so many times, this is where the enemy sneaks in and persuades us to quit, persuades us to cave in. Because think about it, Josh, they were out there seven days, days one through six, Joshua just walked around once. You got to understand that as a leader, they're probably questioning Joshua. What, Joshua, why are we walking around? What's this going on, Joshua? I don't understand this, Joshua. This don't make good sense. And Joshua, in his own mind, was probably thinking, now, Lord, you know, got me out here to fail me. Well, I mean, I don't even see a brick falling down, God. The wall didn't change. My money didn't change. My marriage doesn't look like it's changing. My kids don't look like they're changing. My body doesn't look like it's changing. Day one, I make a lap. Day two, I make a lap. Still, I don't see anything different. Day three, I make a lap. Still, I don't see anything different. The enemy persuading you ain't nothing working, but baby, it's working on your behalf. The enemy is trying to convince you God ain't hearing you and God ain't God ain't listening. He ain't going to come through on your behalf, but baby, that's the time to dig in deep. That's the time to go out into the deep and measure another 1750. That's the time where you don't stand on your own feet, that you begin to swim in that thing, that you begin to totally be reliant upon God. And you say, I trust God. Why? Because those who come to him must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder. So I thank you, Lord, that even though I can't see in my physical eyes, even though I can't see in the natural, I know that you're rewarding me. Day five, I make another lap. Day six, I make another lap. Still, I don't see any bricks falling, but God, yet will I trust you. Still, my debt is still there, but God, yet will I trust you. Still, there's pain in my body, but God, yet will I trust you. On day seven, I make a lap, nothing happens. On day seven, I make my second lap, nothing happens. I am now beginning to be overwhelmed by people saying, oh, you, you believe God for that house. Ha, ha, ha. It didn't happen. And see, some of you guys are about to give up, but baby, I'm telling you, don't quit. Don't give up on the report of the Lord. And so you make lap number three and still nothing happened. And, and the enemy is still trying to persuade you. It ain't going to work. This ain't your year for the house. This ain't your year for marriage. This ain't your year to have that baby. This ain't your year for the kids to be obedient. This ain't your year for the marriage to be restored. But yet you make lap number four and you make lap number five. Why? Because you trust God enough. You know that it doesn't make common sense, but you serve a supernatural God. You serve a God that saved you back then and he'll save you now. You serve a God that rescued you in college and he'll rescue you now. So on that lap number seven, everything began to tumble and the walls began to fall down and they, they they blew the horns and it all came down. And that's when everybody that was the bystander began to say, that boy got faith. That's when everybody began to say, they believe God. That's when everybody began to say, 
God can be trusted. Why? Because they talked about you all the way up to the point of manifestation. And you don't let people persuade you to cave in on God. You don't let yourself persuade you to cave in on God. Just because you can't see it in the natural doesn't mean that it's not working in the spiritual. It is a finished work. The year release is a finished work. The year of harvest is a finished work. Your soul's being restored is a finished work. Renewed mind is a finished work. And so as they blew those horns and they began to see, their faith brought them what they needed. Why? This is what you got to know about faith. It never returns empty-handed. My faith never returns empty-handed. And when you're convinced about that, then you just keep going. When Peter went and got that fish out of that out of that corn and out of that fish's mouth. You got to understand that Jesus, God is in the details. Not only did God tell him to go get the fish. Why? Because whose report will you believe? It sounds crazy, right? God told you to go invest in a little stock. God told you to go buy a little land and nobody wanted. God told you to go start a business. It didn't make no sense. Just like Peter, God may be calling you to do something that doesn't make sense. They need to go pay taxes. And God told that man to go fishing, pull up the first fish, take the money out of his mouth, and then go pay the taxes. It didn't make common sense, but it made God sense. And it brought everything that Peter needed. He paid the taxes both his and Jesus, and they were all good. Why? Because Peter trusts the process. Jesus is already in the details. When he told you the house was yours, when he told you the spouse was yours, when he told you the marriage was restored, when he told you healing was yours, he had already worked out all the details. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean it's not there. Man, listen, just because you can't see it doesn't mean it wasn't there. Light was already existing even when the dark, when when earth was dark. Trees already existed even when the earth was without form. Why? Because in God's mind, it was there. And when he spoke it, it existed. So the same way he spoke a word to you that this was your year of arm loads of blessings. This is your year of supernatural release. That this is your year that you come out. That this is your year of debt deliverance. That this is a year that you will not have not one other stuff. Not now another thought of suicide, not now another bout of depression, that this is the year that you take back your mentality and that you experience joy and peace. Baby, it's working on your behalf. He has already worked it out. Your faith never returns to you empty handed. But the question is, are you willing to go fishing when everybody else is not willing to do so? Are you willing to go fishing? That's the question. Am I willing to go fishing? All right. Am I willing to go fishing? And the last one I love as I study this, and I know it's 108. We're an hour, eight minutes. But the last one that I absolutely love was the story of the 10 lepers. In Luke 17, verses 11 through 19. It says, and it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And this is the scripture that this is where we're going to end tonight. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. 
as they went, they were cleansed. You got to understand that Jesus told them, he says, and when he saw them, he said to them, go show yourselves into the priest. So you got to first understand that as lepers, they didn't, they couldn't go to the, they were unclean. So that's not what they were supposed to be doing. So Jesus said, go show yourself to the priest. And the Bible says, and it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Are you willing to go? The Bible, God says, go do it, go show, go to the bank. And I'll, are you willing to go to the bank? Are you, are you willing to go after it? Because as they went, as they took each step, as they measured out the next 17 50, as they measured that out and they took each step, they were able to manifest their healing because they did what God told them to do. As they went, they were clean. See, you thinking it's going to all happen now, and it is all finished. God has done all this part, but in the in, but as it manifests itself in the earth, as it manifests here, as we go, they were cleansed. As we walk out with fear and trembling, that's what the word says. How do I manifest the fullness of my salvation? The Bible says in fear and what? Trembling. So as I go obeying God, so shall healing manifest. As I go manifesting, obeying God, so debt deliverance shall manifest. As they went, supernatural release happened on their behalf. As they went, Household salvation manifest on their behalf. As they went, their youth was renewed as, as the eagles. As they went, it was a year of integrity and provision for them. As they went, they clearly heard the voice of the Lord. As they went, their skin was found to be just like a baby. They were fully cleansed. Listen, whose report will you believe? Your faith will never return to you empty-handed. So as those 10 lepers went, as they walked their skin, it began to manifest. And by the time they got to the destination, they were fully healed. And so it says, and one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice, glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And the end of it says, thy faith has made you whole. Why? because your faith never returns empty-handed. Your faith always makes you whole. Whose report will you believe? I, I believe the report of the Lord. It doesn't matter what I see with my physical eyes because I know the Lord has already done it. Why? Because he is and he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek me. I seek out God, he rewards me. I seek out God, he takes care of me. I don't care if it's unusual. That man that paid taxes with a fish, that man that calls uh, Elijah to to the fire to come down from heaven. That man that caused 10 lepers to be healed. You know, Jesus did it all. Don't matter if it's unusual, right? Even when he told Elijah to move from place to place, he sustained him. Why? Because they chose to believe the report of the Lord. And so I just want to encourage you tonight that as you move throughout this year, find yourself going. And as you go, find yourself manifesting the will of God. You'll be cleansed. That man done paid taxes with a fish. I'm telling you, listen, you you limit, we can't limit God with what we think in the natural. Common sense does not apply to the kingdom. Common sense doesn't apply to the kingdom. 
Common sense doesn't apply to the kingdom. I mean, it doesn't apply. He made an axe head float. That goes against all gravity, buoyancy laws, and everything else. Why? God has no limit. <laughs> uh, this dude said God has no limit before massive people was ever born. Anyway, that's it. That's the word for the night, guys. Whose report will you believe? And so I had to check myself. God had to check me. And so I, but in, in doing that, just with my boys going back to school, man, I got so much more out of that. And so I just wanted to share it with you guys to be like, guys, in this year, there may be times choose to obey God, even in the smallest things, because as he give us a word, as we go, we will be cleansed. And so you guys know to give. Uh, we talked about giving already. Obey God in your giving. Uh, you can give via push pay. You can give via PayPal. I mean, not PayPal. Push pay, Tithely, Givelify, or Text to Give. Uh, also, if you're not a partner, become a partner. Fill out the partnership form, man. You want to be a partner of this ministry. And I'm telling y'all, and I just say, uh, say how it is. It doesn't matter where you go to church, and y'all need to just quit going to church because everybody in your family went to that church. If that's not where God has called you to be, uh, then you need to get to the place that God called you to be. And it may not be FOC, but find the place that God has called you to be uh, because that's where your breakthrough is. That's where you'll find your 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 person that can speak into your life. That's where you're going to find part of your team. That's where you're going to find some accountability where people can talk to you and you listen. All right. So become a partner. Uh, also join us in the morning for prayer at 6.30 a.m. Uh, and uh, I think that's it. You guys know Monday Mindset, I mean, sun, Strategy for Sets at noon, and then Tuesday night prayer at 8 p.m. And then Sunday at 9.30 for worship. So I love you guys. And I got one I got one more thing, and you guys can log off uh, if you need to. But as I was praying and getting ready today, one of the greatest things I've ever done uh, and I didn't realize how great it would be is being able to be a father. Uh, and I felt, and, and if this is you, you can inbox me, but I felt like some guys are beating themselves up because you haven't felt like you've been a great father. You feel like you've dropped the ball. You feel like some things has happened. And so you've really beat yourself up and God is trying to help you and get, and you can't even receive God as a father because you, all you looked at is how you messed up and you think that, uh, God will father you the way you've been fathered or the way you father. But God is saying, I want to bring some restoration to some men. And so so if that's you uh, dealing with either you, you wasn't fathered well or you've made some mistakes as a dad and you kind of beat yourself up for that or you feel some type of way because you was right the way your daddy neglected you or he wasn't around and things like that. God wants to heal the, the hearts of men. And so my prayer is tonight that, Father God, I thank you for every man on this call, every man that will listen to this call. I thank you that you know the hearts of those that need to be healed, Father. So I thank you that right now, in the name of Jesus, your spirit goes, Father, and it brings restoration to those men. I thank you, God, that peace will belong, belongs to them. I thank you joy belongs to them. I thank you that 
wholeness belongs to them. I thank you that right now in the name of Jesus, they know that they are enough in you. And God, I thank you that they are willing to forgive themselves as well as those that their fathers and other men in their life that may have brought them harm. I thank you, God, that they are whole and that they are complete. I thank you that as they heal and they become complete in your love, that they're able to father their children and the and the and the men they come in contact with, Father, the way that you have them to do. I thank you that men will find the, the joy in, in in fatherhood. I thank you that they'll find peace in fatherhood. I speak to anxiety. I speak to worry. I speak to, I speak to depression, and I declare that those are cast out now in the name of Jesus. I declare that men are filled with the fullness of who you are. No more comparison, no more doubting and unbelief, no more wavering, no more uh, second guessing. I thank you, Father, that we trust you with our whole lives, that we're willing to express ourselves in the way that you would desire, that we're not afraid of our emotions, that we're not afraid to express ourselves in front of our our wives or our kids or even other men. And I thank you, God, that you'll send men, send teams to, to the men that need them to help them be the men that you've called them to be. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I thank you for restoration. And and if you're a man and you're struggling, I encourage you guys, encourage you to reach out. We'll be happy to uh uh pray with you and also for you to uh join our When Men Heal Facebook page uh as well. So but but we're going after men, we're going after fathers because man, as as we grow up and as we talk about restoration this year and things like that, there's nothing better than have men restored back to their families and be the men that they need to be in order to raise the children the way that they need to be raised uh, and understand that. And so the absence of a father, we declare that those voids have been filled, whether it's biological kids, step, uh, kids by marriage, whatever. You don't got to have a kids to be a father. You can father. Heck, I fathered kids way before I had biological kids. And so I thank you for men that's willing to pick up, pick up the uh, task of fathering our children in this nation. And so you guys be blessed. See you guys tomorrow morning at 630. Good night.